the BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther. Hello and welcome to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, which you can download and listen to for free on the BBC Essex website. That's bbc.co.uk slash bbcessex. I'm Ken Crowther and this week my special guest is Dave Gillam from Abercorn Garden Centre in Great Baddow near Chelmsford. Coming up, we'll be answering your questions on everything from mint and fuchsias to birds of paradise. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther, every Saturday from 11. Dave, it's a warm welcome to the programme. We've had some stormy weather this week, including thunder and lightning. How's this affected our gardens? I don't know whether the lightning affects our gardens. No, no, the rain's been nice and it's been coming overnight, hasn't it? As yeah, well. you do wonder whether, you know, the pressure's changed quite dramatically yeah. through a storm. I wonder whether that has any effect on growing plants. You do well, wonder, don't you? Is it um, hibiscus that drop their flowers in the thunderstorms? I think you might be right, actually. <laughs> they they, they always shed flowers, yeah. don't they? It's <laughs> funny, isn't it? But anyway, it's nice to have a bit of rain, but uh, what's your sort of tips? Where, where do you start this sort of sunny summer weather well, with a bit of rain? Yeah, with a bit of rain. We're well into summer now and the perennial beds are looking really lovely but they're just starting to get tired and it's there's lots and lots of later flowering perennials things like penstemons a fantastic plants phygelius and asters and things that flower late summer on so get yourself out of the centers and they're all there they're there in and, the, and they're in color them. yeah and just add them into the border just extend it it's very easy to plant everything in the spring and then it all grows through flowers and you just don't get the length of display that you can do. So, and the other one, I, c- I can't resist, Dave, because you're a dahlia man. <laughs> I was trying and not of course, to. Of yeah. course, the other thing that, of course, you should have planted with dahlias because yeah. they do the same as the plants that you've just mentioned. Yes. They flower late season. They're flowering now. Yeah. yeah and they'll flower till the frost. And there's lots of the dwarf, the more bedding types and yeah. the dwarf uh, varieties that are in flower now and they carry on going are so. they still available in garden centers yes, and nurseries yeah as well? yeah they do um so they're about a two foot plant but they're more of a front of border i t- i tend to like the uh you like back the big border ones. stand there and be proud but they're around because they use as a late summer color um there's not much else around now really and if you plant i mean ignore the dahlia for a moment because obviously they're not 100 percent hardy mm. but the other plants you've mentioned most of those are pretty hardy oh yeah and yeah. it means that they're there for next summer as well, aren't and they? And it seems the later flower and stuff tend to keep a lot of the leaves, like penstemons are almost evergreen, aren't mm. they? You know, just cut them back a bit. And there's always a bit of presence even through the winter then. So, talking of flowers, annuals. <laughs> now, a lot of us still plant annuals in our borders, as we've just said, mm-hmm. front of borders sometimes, whole borders, and, of course, containers. Deadheading, so important to keep deadheading, keep taking those deadheads yeah. off. Uh, as soon as you see it. And on things like geraniums, don't just pick the head off. Go down the stem and take the whole stem off. If not, you encourage rots into the base, don't yeah, you, of the get plant? Yeah, a lot of botrytis coming yeah, into it. which you don't want, especially when you've got a mixed weather that yeah. we're getting at the moment with heat and damp. And I would also suggest, though, that you give them a good feed, good yeah. liquid feed at this time of year, and that will keep the annuals going again later in the summer because if not they just sort of burn out don't fizzle. they <laughs> fizzle out and burn out so that's the thing that you've got to get out there and do as well it's just a bit of deadheading it's not hard work you can walk around with a glass of wine in your hand and <laughs> pick them off i was going to say coffee but or yeah coffee. probably wine's coffee. more likely <laughs> and uh, just don't forget evening time give a good feed evening or early morning because a liquid feed over the leaf can burn if you've got very hot sun yeah uh, moving along the same line there is the hanging baskets. 
they've probably been flowering quite a long time. Mm. And certain plants like trailing petunias, they grow like there's no tomorrow and they flower really well. But then about now you end up with the flowers just on the tips. The plants look a bit straggly. So why not get in there and actually cut them back half the stems, give them a feed. And what you'll find is they regrow from lower back in the plant and flower later. So you'll have a succession. If you don't do any, the basket itself will just fizzle out or you'll only have flowers on the bottom and a very sort of bare looking top of the basket. So the, get the scissors out. And they and do look, they do look, well, they don't look nice. Do no. they? A basket that's half, half straggly. Looks yeah. Awful. yeah. The flowers are off without it, aren't migrate you? away and you end up with this flat top and the drainage sticking out. You do indeed. <laughs> now you, you, you mentioned that and I, I was just thinking, so feeding's again very important, yeah. isn't it, on those? Yeah, you've got to get it in there. I tend to water and then feed, especially with Oh, that's baskets. interesting. So give them a good soak first. Give them a good soak first and if you make it a bit strong or you've got less chance of scorching them and also the wetter the basket when you do it, the longer you can then leave that feed working before you water in again and wash it out of the basket. Now, right at the beginning, I mentioned, you know, storms and thunder and a bit of rain. And in the past, we've been saying, don't feed your lawns with a granule fertiliser yeah. because of the dry conditions. Now, lawns are showing signs of greening again. Yeah, they're waking up. <laughs> so I reckon you could use a granular again. Um, but again, it's a bit like your trick there. It's worth giving the lawn a good soak first, then put the lawn fertiliser on, yeah. and then watering it in, isn't it, if yes. you've got no signs of rain? Yeah, I mean, the forecast for the next few days is that we it's are going to get some, some good showers. showers so it's, it's already wet now, so It's a great a time, time to do that. But if it goes dry again... Don't forget what I reminded you earlier, and that is use a liquid fertiliser because that will work really well if you've got a dry And the lawn. same for weed killers as well. You can yep. use the lawn weed killers because they're going to be waking up Especially as well. spot weed killing. Yeah. Go around with one of those ready-to-use ones. That's it. Just spray them, get rid of them before they take over. So what's your last tip then? Well, it's coming up to show season. Bank holiday is, is the start for me, the August bank holiday. But there's a lot of summer shows and local shows and even some of the early autumn shows. Find them. Find your societies. Go out there and pay them a visit. And what you'll see is the sort of plants, the vegetables, and the things that grow really well in your area. And they're all the people that are probably standing by their exhibits quite proud that they've won. They're there, and they're happy to talk to you. So if you see things, you think, well, why can't I grow collies? I live around here. Talk to the people that are. Find out what they're doing. And these societies do need support. Um, and there's nothing worse than a beautiful summer show and, and no public. Yeah. So go and have a look and you'll find you'll be able to chat to people, learn a lot and take it home with you. Do you put any of your dailies into local sort of shows? I know now you do your national, don't yes. you? Yes. Yeah, now and again, if if it's a society I know, um, normally because they won't have dailies, so I'll, I'll take you a few. You try and put dailies in. And, and almost display them rather than show them. There's no point in me going along to a, a local show with mine because all I do is probably make people feel a bit despondent um, with theirs. So... I'll, I'll support them if they, they want me to, but I, I tend not to sort of bomb out these, these local shows. It is difficult, isn't it? Because you've got so-called experts like yourself that are growing for national. Yes. And then they can... Put the shame. I think that's a bit unfair. It is. But yeah. it, it's, it's, it's not what you should be doing because we should be encouraging people to grow things, shouldn't With, we? Without the people at these local shows showing local levels, getting their packets from the garden centre and just planting them and showing their flowers... Yeah. Exhibitors don't come. We need, you know, we always need it. it's grassroots. The same with sports. Mm. If people aren't just interacting at the style of it, and probably nothing worse to put someone off than someone like me turning up with a van load of flowers and bombing out the show 
With dahlias. With dahlias, it, it, it won't help. <laughs> it's not no help at all. So get along to your local shows, and don't forget that you can catch up with those on the podcast. And if you've got an event, well, you can send it to me, can't you? To ken.crowther at bbc.co.uk, and I'll mention that event, and you'll get more people along to it. It's as simple as that. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther, every Saturday from 11. Let's have a look at some of the gardening events taking place across Essex over the next few weeks. And we're going to be starting at Mark's Hall in Coggleshaw. Because on Saturday the 29th of July, right through till Sunday the 10th of September, they're holding an outdoor exhibition of sculpture. There'll be more than 300 pieces of over 50 national and international sculptors. So I tell you what, that's worth going to. There's no extra charge. It's the normal garden entry fee. And, of course, there's, uh, you can get food. And you can get cake and tea there as well. On Tuesday the 15th of August, 2 till 5, Dragons at Boyton Cross Chelmsford is open to raise money for the NGS, Plants Woman's Garden, planted to encourage wildlife. Well go, worth going to see. Admission is £4, children are absolutely free. Uh, don't forget the Matching Charities uh, Farmers Market at the Village Hall. That takes place on the third Saturday of every month. So that's the 19th of August, 10 till midday. Has meats, cakes, eggs. I'll tell you what, I've had some meat from there. It's pretty good. Saturday the 19th of August, 2 till 4.15, the Ardley and District Horticulture Society are holding their Ardley Annual Show. And that's at the Ardley Village Hall, Station Road Ardley, open to the public from 2. And, you know, the prizes are going to be presented at 4.15. Look, go and have a look. Vegetables, fruit, flowers and dahlias. Flower arranging, absolutely everything. Go and have a look. Just going through to the end of that month, Saturday the 26th, 7th and 8th. That's that bank holiday weekend of August, not far away now. St Nicholas Church, Great Wakering, they're holding their flower festival. So there's plenty of things going on across the county. And if you want your gardening event mentioned on the Gardening Hour podcast, drop me a line uh, just three weeks before to ken.crowther at bbc.co.uk or drop it in the post to Ken Crowther at BBC Essex P.O. Box 765 Chelmsford CM2 9XB Coming up next, myself and Dave will be answering your gardening questions and we'll start with Elizabeth in West Bergholt who's having trouble with her sweet peas. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour every Saturday from 11. BBC Essex Well, I've had them for years and I've planted them in the same place every year and by the time they get nine inches high, I've got flowers. But this year I haven't and they're nearly six foot and I haven't got a flower on any of it. Are they? Um, can you tell me why? Are these, these are sown sweet peas. These aren't the perennial ones, are they? Uh, no, they're, well, I've, I bought a tray of them from a certain company and um, I planted them like I do any other year. Some years I have my own pods uh, uh, and I'll plant them, but yeah. this year I planted new plants. And they're nearly six foot, but I haven't got a flower. And it's amazing me because I generally have a lovely show. Have, have you taken the side shoots off them? Oh, no. Well, I don't, not, not normally I don't. No. So is there a reason for that? Or? It's very difficult, when, it's very difficult <laughs> isn't it, when, um, when Elizabeth has grown them exactly the same. same. Yes. You buy them from the same people every year, yes? Yeah, yes, sure, yes. Yep, and you plant them the same, you plant them in the same spot, and suddenly, whoa, whoa, whoa nothing happens. Not flowering, yeah, not Now, 
I ha- I'm, I'm just trying to think whether we've had any other people say that their sweet peas haven't flowered, but in fact, they've been quite not bad this year. It's they? not been a bad year. It was an early year because um, we, you know, they got away and were yeah. flowering early. Um, sweet peas naturally flower at their best between about four and six foot. That's that's, right. that's the yeah. heights that they, you get the bigger flowers and the multi heads. Yeah. It's the foliage very. I've got some of them growing six foot. Yeah. But the majority are about four foot. It's the foliage. It's the foliage very green. Yes, very green and very thick, lovely. And, and you haven't changed. Really healthy. You haven't changed your feed, feeding with any other feed. No, I just use mirror grow, That's all. Yeah. And I've done that twice this year. I'll go for tomato food. Give them tomato food now, and they'll still oh. they've still got a good chance oh. of flowering. Yeah, I mean oh, the fact okay. they're growing, they've got a chance of flowering. But um, normally with sweet peas, obviously you've never needed to do it to get flowers. But most people would. Um, remove the side shoots as uh, off the plant as they grow, and that puts the energy into the main stem and producing flowers. But yeah, these are lovely. I will say they're the best looking. That I've had so thick. <laughs> they probably grow so well that they're not wanting to yeah, flower. I, I'm just amazed that they're not flowering. Yeah. <laughs> well, if okay. any, if anyone else okay. has got a secret, they can give us a call on 0300 okay, 40 41. There's yeah. nothing in the soil that would affect them. Is no, there? Not, because not they haven't got flower. any diseases. No, I've got petunias in the front. And they're beautiful. Yeah. Well, there you go. Really I would switch to a, to a tomato food, a high potash okay. feed, um, and that may just sort of harden the plant a bit and encourage it to flower. John from Rayleigh is talking about... What are you talking about, John? What's your question? I've got a vine weed coming up in the garden. It comes up every year. I dig it out and it keeps coming back. It don't seem to... Whatever a, I do with it... Hang on. So it sounds like bill bind or something like that. Oh, is it's, it? a, it's a... It grows up things, does it? Has it got a heart-shaped yeah. leaf? That's it, yeah. Yeah, bime yeah, weed. Yeah. <laughs> um, you still actually with a bit of rain. Yeah. Cut it awake. down. Cut it down nearly to the ground. Yeah. Uh, pull it off everything it is, and then buy a. You can buy the wipe. Can you buy a wipe still uh, of Roundup? Or wipes you, you got? can't. You got the gel. Gel. It's Roundup gel. Yeah. And as it regrows. What do you do? Wipe it on? No, it's like a, a deodorant. Yeah, it's just little beads of gel that come out the top, and you just dab it, touch it onto the leaf. Now, if you keep doing that, you will get rid of it. Have you yeah. got lots of it or a bit of yeah, it? Yeah, every time I dig it up, it seems to increase yes. each year. It yeah. will, because you're breaking the root up into lots of little bits. So you're, you're propagating it rather than getting rid of it. So the only way to get rid of it is to keep going at it with weed killer. Um, closest to the root that the growth is, the better. And just persistence will get there. But if you keep digging it up, you're you're dividing the root and making more plants. Right. Now, the so, other one I've got to Hang on, just, to, uh, just double-checking. What is the border got in it that you're, you've got it growing in? Oh, basically everything. The busy lizzies. Uh, right, OK. So don't remember that any weed killer like Roundup that's got Roundup in it, or glyphosate, yeah. as the chemical is, it will kill anything you touch. So you have to be very careful and keep it right close to the ground and onto the weed only. All right? Right, OK. Be very careful with it. Right, now yes, the other, other one is I've, yep. I've got some cherry and uh, plum miniatures. Mm-hmm. On one of them, where they've grafted, is it the stock that the, the, they graft to? Yeah, it's a rootstock normally. Where the rootstock is. I've got uh, shoots coming out of that. Do I leave them on or do I cut them off? No, you, you well... In an ideal way, you'll tear them off, so you just pull them down gently so you remove the the actual shoot from the stem. 
um, if you cut them, what you'll find is you'll get another flush of growth. So you're, you're trying to remove them, but only if it's below the graft. So it's right. the graft or below, that would be the rootstock trying to regrow. If it's above, then that's that's the actual plant itself. Right, lovely. Now, what would I feed grapes with? Um, are they in the ground? Yeah. Um, just a, a good general food. I'd, I'd use bluffish and bone or grow more or something scattered on the top. And then, and then just fork it in when you water yeah, it in, it'll go watering. down. Right, okay, lovely. Thanks a lot. And right. thin, thin your grapes out. <laughs> All right, thin the actual right. bunches out because you'll get better grapes. Uh, that does, it's a fiddly job, but it does help. Um, and, or thin the bunches out if you've got too many bunches together, yeah. isn't it? It's yeah. the same as fruit, isn't it? Apples and pears. Um, we are cooking one of my favourite trees, aren't we, Dory? That's correct. Come on, tell me what we're talking about. My favourite tree. Catalpa bignoides. That's right, uh, one of my Indian bean, bean tree. tree. Beautiful. Uh, yes. Uh, well, it needs a bit of pruning. It's getting out of control. Right. Uh, I don't know. I've looked at the books, but they don't tell me when the best time is, especially as this year it has bloomed for the first time. Yes, it's probably because you didn't prune it. Yes. <laughs> you see, if you prune them, they don't, they flower on the last year's yeah. wood, don't, won't they? Uh, you t- I'd, I'd say you'd all. get away with it soon if you get enough growth and it hardens off, or I tend to leave I'd, it to early I'd, spring, but... Yeah, I would. I'd do it late winter. Yeah. I'm a late, so it sounds like we're both a bit late winter unless it's causing you problems. Isn't yeah, it, Dave? I mean, if you're taking pieces out to, to fill it out, that's fine. Um, but they're not the hard, toughest of things. And if you encourage too much growth going into winter, um, you could get knocked back a bit too easily. Right. Okay. Thank you for your advice. And enjoy your tree. <laughs> uh, we do. It's- Beautiful shade just on the corner of the patio. Oh, lovely. Really nice. nice. No, they are super tree. Um, you know, I, I think it was uh, where I was an apprentice all those years ago. They had two and in the in the area of part, and I used to think, oh, they are. You know, mm. if I had a big garden, that's what I'd plant. You know. <laughs> uh, Tony from Chelmsford, what's uh, up with your pear tree then? Um, good morning, boys. Hi. Good morning. Um, well, we have a small pear tree, about six foot tall. We've got about a dozen pears on it, and then last week it came into bloom again. <laughs> <laughs> is that weather related? Or? Yeah, um, it is just where we've gone. We've had a, a funny season where we had hot early, then dry, then wet, then cooler, then hot, and it's just confused the tree a bit. Yeah, so I've um, got a confused pear. Not a, yeah, yeah not I a mean, conference it, pear. <laughs> no, we have had, we, I mean, we've had some, not now, not of recent months, no. but months or two back, we had some very cold weather, didn't we? Yeah, and then yeah. some hot, very and long hot, dry. So. so it's confused, yes. Yes, it's confused. Uh, very right. confused. But I you've got like pears. You get any pears off of these. I doubt it. No, they, no. they won't sort of grow through and ripen quick enough. I mean, last year in the autumn, we had a, a, a few, I think it's mainly profusion. We had some fantastic uh, fruits on it and flowers. All at the same time. <laughs> so it just I just get confused now and again. Okay. okay. Many thanks, guys. All right. Let's talk to Tom from Romford. Hi, Tom. Hello there. Uh, if you can help me regarding a lawn. Yep. Uh, I've got some patches where the grass has absolutely gone dead. And even the moss has gone dead. And when I scrape it, the roots are dead as well. 
Yeah. Uh, some of the patches are sort of slightly bigger. It reminds me when we used to have a dog many moons ago, back in the 90s. Uh, you know, where a dog wets and the grass goes yeah. absolutely yeah. So dead. are most are most of them about three inches across? Uh, some of them are, and some areas are quite are bigger. bigger with bits of grass dollar spot? to grow in between them. Could be. Sounds like dollar spot, doesn't it? Yeah. which is a, a fungal disease right. which, again, is quite prevalent this year, <laughs> yes. sadly. And there's nothing that you can There's really... nothing you feed, don't you? Feed with nitrogen feed. Yeah, you're just trying to invigorate <coughs> the grass around it to, uh, to grow back, grow in. back in. It's uh, That's what it sounds like to us. Either that if there's or you've no got mold, foxes or something like that that are being a bit keen on your lawn. But Is it all over the lawn? Uh, a few areas are sort of trying to mm. grow Yes, it well, doesn't sound like uh, fox, does it? No. Now, it sounds like something like dollar spot or one of the fungal diseases. If it hasn't got a slime, it's got there's no slime or mould that no, you can no. see. I did fork it last year and filled the, the holes in yep. with uh, grit and uh, sand and that. Yeah. No, but it's, it hasn't uh, done anything. There's, there's nothing well, really it. about now for sort of diseases on the lawns. There's a grub that gets under the ground or something. You can well, that's chafer grub. Chafer grub... Not really. I don't. I, it sounds more like a disease if if, if they're spreading as well, and the grubs wouldn't yeah, affect yeah. things like moss and no. so on. Do you as feed? Well. Do you feed your lawn? Oh, I haven't fed it this year. No. Right. Well, it's not a bad time to feed no. a lawn at the moment because we've had a bit of rain. Give it a good nitrogen feed. Don't don't bother with weed killers or any of those. No. Just go for a feed. Just just a straight feed. Yeah. What, what would you recommend? As a you feed? can. Well, there's, there's two ways of doing it. You can get um, just feeding guns that you just connect your hose on and they're a high nitrogen feed that, that you just pour over right the top um, and the, there's these three day greens as a granular Which feed granular. but hmm. you would put it on and water alright okay, oh, anyway thank you very much that's alright go down the garden centre get it greened up and hopefully that will grow out well we hope it will grow out for you anyway <laughs> I'm sure it will I'll have to will. try some of that on my head <laughs> <laughs> and we said we'd come to Angie and there she is hi Angie Good morning, guys. Morning. Um, I have two questions, if uh, if I may put them to you. What's um, I have a mint growing in a pot. Mm -hmm. It's just growing spindly tall. It's quite yep. healthy, but it's just growing tall. It's not bushing out. What could be the reason for that? Just being mint, the uh, best thing you could do is cut it, cut off. it back. Cut it sort of back within Good a couple of inches feed. of the pot and give it a feed. You'll probably find loads of new shoots will come up from uh, underground. Okay, that's brilliant. And I have a um, a plum tree. It's mm -hmm. growing, growing beautifully, nice leaves. Bit of um, um, a black fly on it, but I've been spraying it. Yeah. But no fruit, no flowers. You know, a couple of years. And it's it's only a couple of years old, is it? Um, uh, um, I bought it when I think it was a couple of years old, and now I've had it two years. Mm. So is that still quite early? Sometimes they just take a while to settle in. I wouldn't I worry mean, about that, I would wouldn't you? panic, no. I mean, it's good that you're treating the um, black fly and that because it has been bad this year on plums and cherries. Yeah, um, so uh, it's, uh, it's one of these um, dwarf varieties. Yeah, they, they tend to take a little while to settle in. Oh, OK. All right. That's... You're not pruning it, are you? No, I haven't cut it all No, done. leave it uh, alone. Leave yeah. it alone. Don't touch it and I'm sure it'll sort itself out. Oh, brilliant. Thank you so much. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther, every Saturday from 11.
I said I wanted to push this email in because it's quite an interesting one. It's just from Roy Crow. He says he's um, growing potatoes in in raised beds. Uh, he's grown everything from home girl, King Edward, Maris Piper. They all go quickly to boil. When he boils them, they all go mashy. Got any other ideas? <laughs> and he doesn't have it with any other root vegetables, it's just the potatoes. It's something to do with the way they're growing, but you can't... It's not it's, much you can do, it's, no. It's not much you can do because you get this in some years and not others sometimes, trying, don't you? Trying to think of the, the really waxy ones. That's the ones that you... You would go for. Go for, yeah. Um... I mean, the salad ones tend to be a bit better. Yeah, like I, I, you see, I wouldn't grow... A King Edward's a, a, a main, Mary's Piper. Home, they're, the all main, ma- they're all the mains, main aren't they? Go for an early. First early, a nice waxy first early. And that should that should be a lot, lot better, shouldn't it? So that, that should uh, sort it out. So let's go to Terry from Benfleet. Hello, Terry. Yeah, hello there, Ken. Um, yeah, I've got fuchsias. I've got 24 fuchsias <laughs> in my front garden. Yep. And eight of them have got this disease... Um, the leaves at the end are all curling up and dying. Right. <clears throat> and now, I don't know, don't know right. what to do. There doesn't seem to be any insects. Right. Are they... Um, you say they're dying. Are they... Um, what's the word? Contorting. Contorting. Yes. Yeah. Right. Well, funny enough, <laughs> on my phone I have a picture because I went to see a guy this week who said, I have a problem with my fuchsias. He's got hundreds in his garden, and I mean that, of different varieties. He asked me to go and have a look at it, and in fact, it is. Uh, there's a lovely picture I've shown Dave already, and I wanted to bring it up, and I think you brought it up for me. This question, and it is um, fuchsia gall mite. Now, fuchsia gall mite came into the country in 2011, so it's quite a new problem that we've got, but there's not a lot that we can use to against it. Now, some varieties of fuchsias are more susceptible than others. Now, have yeah. you found that some are worse than others? Yes, the red ones mostly. They are? The red, yeah. yeah. And the advice to, that people are giving, actually, the main advice is actually to remove and destroy those ones and then look, look and watch for the other varieties that have been affected uh, not quite as badly. Cut off, cut off the bits that are, are bad... Yeah. Right, and remove those from site. So you either burn or get away from the site. So you're actually taking them out of site because if not, you you won't break the cycle of the mite. Now you said, didn't you, Dave, that you could try chopping it down to the ground. Chopping it down to the ground if it's a hardy one. Yeah, you could chop it down to the ground. Yeah, hardy, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you could chop them down to and the then ground. Give it a and real try drench. There's you can get the Bravado vine weevil killer, which but it might... also acts as an insecticide in the plant as a drench so it might be it probably won't say that's what it's, it's not for the on the packet but it may help because i have research and there's really no real answer for it so okay. if you try those two things but the worst ones definitely get rid of them completely out of the garden so if i di- if i dig them out do i need to replace the soil that's around it no or? No, no, no it's in the plant it's in, it's the, in the plant the, it's, it's in the plant the gall mite all right so what was the, 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 the what was that i thought to get it's uh, a it's a we- vine weevil yeah, cut them right back. Fine weevil uh, control, it's a liquid, but you can. it does affect aphids and other insects and things as well through the plant system. So it's one of the few things that you can use as a drench rather than just a spray. There you are. Give it a try and let us know how you get on. And it's interesting that that one's come up because I wanted to mention it anyway. <laughs> Peter from Purley. Hi, Peter. Oh, hi, Ken. How things? Sweet. Well, we're fine. Have you got some good advice for us? Well, advice, uh, 
And you know, I phoned up before, a little while ago about some peas. Sweet peas, yes. No, Gordon. Gordon peas. peas. Garden right. Peas. Yeah. And I didn't know what depth to put me, put them in. Yes. And you said oh, I need to put them into a, a 12, 12 inches deep in these pots. And uh, I thought, well, I'd better go around. And I found an old um, bag, old box for rubbish. Mm-hmm. And the council turned, didn't do it, use it anymore. So I, I used that. And it was about 14 inches deep. So I left a couple of inches at the top to support. And so when they grew, they come through there. And I thought, you so warned me about the rain and the frost. And I got the lid. And every time it was threatened, rain or frost, the lid was on. Put the <laughs> lid on at night, and if it was heavy rain during the day, I put the lid on during the day, and I had a good crop. Ah, oh, so there's the secret. Plant them deep and then give some yeah. protection early on, yeah? Yeah, yeah, they do need a protection, because I had this, they was deep into the pot, and by the time they'd grown out of the yeah. pot, they were well and truly established. Yeah. Sounds good to me. Thank you very much, Peter, yeah. for that. I'll ask you just one more question. Go for it, Peter. I've got some bought some patio fruit trees this year. Mm-hmm. Do I need a, any pruning up down there or just leave them? I won't get no fruit this year, but do I need any pruning on them? Not really. Um, no. You just let them, if they're young trees, just let them settle in. Yeah. Um, and you, you would prune them at the same times as all the other fruit tree, patio fruit trees, so... Yeah. You know, you treat them the same, but let them establish first. Yeah, OK. All right. Yeah, thank you very much. That's a pleasure. That's Peter from Purley. And let's talk to Basil in Thorpe Socan. Hi, Basil. Hello. Um, I've got an old pear tree in the garden. Mm-hmm. It's got a type of pear, which is the shape of a small cherry. Uh, right. I think my wife sent one off to you a few years ago. And um, just to try, try and find out uh, the name of it. A pear the size, size of a cherry. cherry. And it, when you cut through it, has it got a core or has it got a pip? It's got pips in. So it is a pear of some sort. Could it be one of the wild pears? Could be, yeah. Yeah, like they're the, small, the pi- aren't they? The normal pyrus. Yeah. It's not got a silvery leaf or anything, has it? No. Yeah, could, could be. It could be one wild of pear. Wild pears. Sounds like a wild pear that you've got. Well, the thing is, I've got another young one I put in about four years ago. And um, having looked at it the other day, um, it's got the normal size pears on and it's loaded with these cherry type type ones as well. I wonder whether you've had some rootstock um that's grown, the rootstock's grown and not the... So you're getting the wild, or the rootstock fruiting and not so much of the actual pear fruiting, why, mm. which is why you're getting the small pears um, and the big ones, because the, the bigger ones will be on the top and the yes, rootstock will higher. be the little ones. Are they lower down, the, the little ones? Um, they're about three three feet high. Yeah, from the ground? Yeah. Are they, they growing from the ground area? Yes. Yeah, they'd be the rootstock. I see. So it's a grafted plant, and they're growing out the ground or below the graft, and they're fruiting, and it would be a, a, you know, a more of a wild non-fruiting type. Uh, the branches are coming off the stem, the main stem. Right, but uh, from the base or higher up? Higher up. Hmm. where it's been grafted, I suppose. But yeah, it could have been top grafted. Yes. <clears throat> yeah. There's no. There's no normal reason for 
a normal fruit in pear to produce very small fruits um, uh-huh. other than it, it not being that variety that you intend. But I mean, on one small bough, there must be 50 all in a cluster. <laughs> be interesting. Take yeah. a picture. Be nice to Take a picture and send it in. Let's have a look at it, Basil. Yes, I'll do that. Okay. Thanks. I'll, I'll, I'll send you a photo of them. Thank you, Lovely. and we'll have a look at it and see whether we can sort out for it. Peter from Rayleigh. Hi, Peter. Oh, good, good morning, Ken. <clears throat> uh, thank you. Um, I just have a question about, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, a white hydrangea. It's, uh, the variety is called Tella. Mm-hmm. You've probably, presumably heard of that one. Um, in a nine-inch bag, nine-inch pot roughly yesterday. Right. And in terms of pruning, I'm getting various <laughs> um, conflicting information. That The label on there says that Pruning is not particularly necessary, but if you did need to do it, uh, do it after it flowers, which would be, what, early autumn? Well, um, normally flowering now, aren't they? Uh, They're flowering now until, don't they flower till about September? They they will go on, they'll hold the flowers. I wouldn't Um, flower them, prune prune then at all, would you? No, I'd range it. You do get a bit of a conflict on it. Um, yeah. It used to be, and certainly on the old varieties, that you left a flower on, and in some way that protected and encouraged the flower buds further down the stem next for next year. I'm not yeah. so convinced that that is true or accurate um, now with some of these more modern varieties. I think they will flower, they will do what they're going to do, whatever you do to them, um, as long as you don't start pruning them in the you know in the spring or cutting back new growth. So deadheading, oh, well, certainly deadheading dead them. Might... And, I, and I thought that can't be right because that's not much, that's just before it's going to um, flower. So yeah. you start pruning, say April or March or something. Then. You you do do it when the, early in the spring before the side shoots or the shoots start yeah. coming off the main stem. Oh, as right, long as you don't okay. prune them back, you're right. You can prune the main stem, but not yeah. not the rest. So it's funny, you do get conflicting. I mean, mm. all of us get conflicting instructions. And, we, of course, a lot of the stock uh, comes in from abroad. I'm not knocking those people across <laughs> the channel. But you do sometimes get um, information that's not quite what yeah. we would do in the UK. Isn't and I it? think traditional methods over time changes because of modern varieties. And modern varieties and also climate yeah. has changed a little bit for us. Uh, we're going to talk to Derek from Downer. Now, hello, Derek. Good morning, Ken. Now, Derek is the men, the gentleman I went to see last week who had this problem with the fuchsias, didn't you, Derek? Yes, we did, and thank you very much for identifying this gall mite. We've done, Brian and I have done a lot of research on this since you identified it to us, and the, the mite itself is so tiny, the yep. human eye can't see it. That's right. It's transferred often by wind, and we've been recommended everywhere that we've researched and read, it always says burn everything. Never move it, because if you take it somewhere else, the mite will be blown away and start to interfere with somebody else. That's right. So everything, as you told me, burn it, and we've burnt everything that had that, Ken, uh, and we'll continue to do so where we cut any bits off that have got it. But the plants that had it badly, we took them out and burnt them. Yeah, now have you found that, because I think when we were there, we noticed it on a couple of the other varieties, and I think what Dave across the desk here is saying, that possibly the good thing to do there is just remove those pieces, again burn them, but try to treat with um, an insecticide, even though they're reckoning that insecticides aren't working on it anyway. Yeah, well, what we're going to do, Ken, the one that you recommended to us, we're getting that 
and all of next year's standards that we've got coming on, we're going to be spraying those within the next few weeks. Yep. That's going to cause the leaves a lot of problems, but at least it should get rid of this gall mite before it, we start next season. And I'll tell you what, Derek, you want to come back to us next year and let us know whether the spraying through the early period has worked and that will help other people across the county. I certainly will do. Thanks very much, Derek, for your call. And thank you for all your help. Pleasure. Bye-bye. Bye. And let's go to Bill. And Bill, um, how are things with you? You've got a sedum problem, yeah? Yeah, I've seen you a photo in it, where you can see it, Ken. Obviously, it went in as a really nice, red, healthy plant, and now it's covered in this white... Mildew. It's a mildew, isn't it? Oh, yeah. is it a mildew, is it? I just um, wondered, have I been over-watering it? No, it's, no it's this just weather. It's weather. <laughs> yeah, um, the... You've got the photo in front of you, Dave, haven't yeah. we? And and it really is quite um, quite white, it isn't it? looks like it's been snowing, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, it is just a weather, and some plants are more pr prone to it than other. You can try um, treating it with, with a fungicide. You've got the fungus fighters, the rose clears, and things like that. Um, but it, it's well well and truly over. I would think you'd be Could better you cut to it cut back? it back. Yeah. yeah, It's a little bit late, because sedums are autumn... You're not going to get much out of them, are you? It'd be worth just cutting it back, giving it a real good spray, um, and hopefully we're coming out of that sort of weather spell that has been browned, um, and maybe just flush up some growth. Okay, right. thank you okay. very much. Thank you, Bill. That's Bill okay. from Corringham. Um, uh, I have a patio apple tree in a big barrel-like plastic pot planted last year. Plenty of apples last year in October, but no apples this year, and that's from Marina in Chelmsford. It could be a biennial annual producer couldn't yes, it yeah so fruit trees are a bit don't panic no don't panic look after it keep it growing and you will have no problem at all and we go to linda in braintree hello linda hello ken yes i've uh, got this or i got yeah sorry i got this little citrus plant yeah. that was no more than about four inches high it was tiny um but i've looked after it and kept it going and it's now about a foot high uh, what I want to know is what soil does it take I have no idea how to look after it <laughs> um, it's just a single stem is it no no there's you... several stems there oh that's good yeah because sometimes they, when they're young they, they sort of romp away and you get the single stem sort of growing off like a, a, a train and no, you no, need to deal with them no no this is out quite nicely it's very simple. You can literally walk into the garden centre and buy yourself a bag of citrus compost. It has to be special, does it? It is. It is better to use. It's it. better to. I and mean, that's not really, a sales yeah. chat. It is better because it is it acid, and also it is an that slightly acid. Slightly, isn't it? yeah. It's specific uh, for them. Um, I mean, I wouldn't be frightened of using a John Innings on it um, right. either. But you know, there is citrus compost, the same as bonsai and cactus compost. So, um, come in nice small bags. Okay. I'll go that route. But I say I wouldn't be afraid to use and then a, a, use a citrus feed it. as well. Yep. And a you get winter feed? and summer. Did so you, you get say a citrus feed? Yeah. Yep. You wouldn't need oh, to really it. first pot it, but come the winter, then there is a, a citrus winter feed that you can use. I just want to quickly show Dave that picture. That is not a, it's not a meddler, it's a kumquat, isn't it? 
Yeah, it's a bit avocado isn't it? Yeah, I think it's a kumquat. So I just so that's an email that came in. I just wanted to say, uh, Jerry Holland, it says, does it need to be in earth or has it got something wrong with it? It's got a, a powdery stuff on the back. That's uh, kumquat relief, yeah. is natural. It is a kumquat. It is not a meddler. So look up kumquat and you will find how to grow it. It grows well in John Innes. It's not... It, Doubt if it will produce fruit in this country. No, they don't often. Because it's not hot make it nice. It's a nice evergreen tree. It's a tree, lovely it? plant. So they are. Uh, let's go to Noel. Noel, is it from Little Clacton? Noel, you are. Hello, right Noel. Were you? You happen to be born at Christmas, I'm sure. Um, not entirely. My birthday is in September, so oh. work that one out. I'm not going to even <laughs> ask. Okay, let's go for what's the problem anyway. Um, Ken, I've got a leucosa. I hope I'm pronouncing it Lukofi. right correctly. And um, what's happening is it's about 15 inches uh, wide and long. It's a lovely plant, but what's happening is on one side to start with, areas of branches were just dying, going Mm. brown. I cut those out, and then now it's happening on the other side as well. Yeah, it sounds like it's probably the scarletta, which is a finer sort of branching one. like a ready hue to the leaf. Oh, beautiful yeah. colour, burgundy, ready. Yeah. They, they, they yeah. sort oh, they, of do quite, that. They're but... tendery. <laughs> they're, they're not... They're, I'm not saying they're tender to the point of frost damage. No. But they're not the toughest of plant, are they? Not really, no. It's much like they, you get them in the centres at the same time as the skimmiers and things like that. Mm. They're a great sort of autumn planting plant. Um, but I've, I've noticed that it's burning happen. as well? It could be burning, could wind be. and sun. It could be. I would tend yeah. to prune the whole thing. Yeah. Um, and try to get some new growth from low down rather than just taking the bits out as they go. Otherwise, you're going to end up with a right. wonky plant. But yes. I'll give it all a prune, a bit of a feed, and see if you can flush the whole plant into new all growth. All right. So it's not anything un- under the soil then? No, no. It's, it's, just a, it's just that type of plant tends to do that. We often have it in, in the pots where you get an odd stem going. We just trim it off, but they just that's what they do. So trim them off. Look after it, feed it, yeah. and it should be no should problem. Flush up. Ken Crowther, answering your gardening questions. This is BBC Essex. Right, birds of paradise, Marlene. Yes, I've got the most beautiful birds of paradise. I had 11 flowers this year. Blimey, that's good. They were, at, they were absolutely amazing. We've got them in huge pots, mm-hmm. and I've got uh, three, six, I've got 11 plants. Um, and I All want, in huge pots? Yes, they are in big pots. They're outside at the moment, but we yeah. bring them in into our annex in the winter, obviously, because it's too cold for them. Uh-huh. But, oh, you've never seen anything so amazing. 11 flowers. How old but are the I plants? To start splitting them now, because they're getting so big, they're starting <laughs> to pull themselves out of the pots. <laughs> yes. They split the pots. Um, what do I repot them in? Um, is it ericaceous or...? No, I'd use a John Ennis free on those. Um, I don't think they are er- ericaceous. The no. only thing you may find is the reason you've got so many flowers is probably because they're splitting the pots. Yeah, they're pot <laughs> aren't they? And they love... They love know, being congested, yeah. don't they? As far as flowering goes, they love it. So, um, well, yeah. Out of the garden to bring them in, there's great big, huge um, things hanging out the bottoms of the pots. 
you know, yeah, where the they're so... <laughs> be better if so it was... Well grown. Uh, would you cut them off or would you repot it? I'd repot it into a very fractional larger one, wouldn't yes, you? But yeah. only fractions. Only it depends tight, if you it? want to split the clumps, you can, but then you probably won't see any flower for a year or so because they're going to mm. gonna have a bit of a growth spurt. Yeah, um, well, they took but, eight years to flower. Yeah, yeah <laughs> we could have another eight years <laughs> if you split well, them up. Well, we grew them from seed. We brought them home from Madeira mm. as a seed, and my husband grew them in the greenhouse, and they, was, they were nearly eight years before they flowered. That's right. Just pop them into one size bigger so that you can just about get your finger around the edge. That's all. Right, so nothing go too big. No, no, they'll stop no. flowering. I mean, I if they're big pots you and you're so hard much. to move them, then you could split them and then go down a size, but you'll have a while for flowering. Uh, let's talk to Joe from Leon C. Hi, Joe. Good morning. Um, I just wanted to know I've acquired two um, ballerina shrub roses, which is um, very pretty little flowers. Yeah. Um, um, can I keep them in the sort of like large patio pots, or should I really put mm. them in the garden? No, you can keep them in large pots. They grow pots. well in a patio plot. Yeah. They? I think they're so pretty. I'd love to keep them in keep container, as it were. Yeah, I'd use it again in uh, Johnny's number three, nice soil-based compost, um, and probably a pot, 12, 18 inches at least, to, to get you going. Oh, lovely. Right. All right. Thank you very much. Yes. OK. Thank you. Uh, this is from Anthony. He has a 150-foot Berberus hedge to the front of his house in Wickham Bishop. Could you tell me the best fertiliser to feed? He's heard they like ericaceous. Not true, is not it? Strictly, not, no. not strictly true no. at all. Um, I'll go bluefish and bone. Bluefish and bone, as long as you haven't got any um, problems with um, with foxes in the area. Because <laughs> you'll if encourage not, you use, grow Just more use just grow more or yeah, something like that. So they are that sorted that out. Um, and your Berberus hedge, I bet, has been growing, as most of them have. Hello, I transplanted a golden anniversary rose. This is from Terry last year. Dug in dried manure and put a good compost soil mulch around it. But half of the leaves died off, no buds at all. Why? Also, it has, uh, right, dried manure. Too much manure around It'll the... A bit strong. Too a bit strong around the base. Transplanted it, it might be a bit of moving shock. So they are. That's one of those. And uh, what do we got here? I have a bit of advice, please. I've now finished picking my rhubarb. What about the remaining stalks? Do I leave them to die back or remove them? And that's Brian from Clacton. Uh, and in fact, Brian has also, yes, Brian has sent us an email and a text. So thank you, Brian, for that. Uh, <laughs> you've got through to us there. And that's a good one about rhubarb. Um, so rhubarb, what do we, why do we leave the rhubarb stalks and leaves there, Dave? You've got to leave it on there, really, just to keep, they invigorate the clump. So you, if you completely keep picking them or strip them down, then you might lose the clump or you'll weaken the clump for next year. So you always pick the first few once it's established mm. and then just let it, Settle into itself. Did we do that rose one that was losing its leaves? Yes. Yes, we did, didn't we? <laughs> I reckon some of the reason could be as well. Black spot is yeah. is is quite one of the major problems, isn't it? It's plenty about. And there there really is um, a, a major problem there with black spot. Let's talk now to Peter in Black Notley, and you've sent us some pictures as well, Peter. Tell us more. Oh, hello, Ken. Hi. Um, I've got loads of sunflowers growing in my garden, which is self-sown. Because uh, the birds, the wife and I love it, you know, watching them eat the seeds during the winter months, and they spread them about the garden, and I have to decide which ones I want to allow to grow. <laughs> and I've got several, and I've never had a problem with them until this year. And this particular one is about eight to ten foot tall. It suddenly wilted, and I thought it's because of the dry weather, so I gave it plenty of water. It didn't make any difference. And when I moved the mare's tail, which I've got copious amounts of, when I moved that away from the bottom, 
I noticed this white fungus on the root. And I've never seen it before. I just wondered if you knew what it was. It's on the base of the, the, the stem, isn't it? Yeah. Sort of more than the um, root. Is it just, it, it's, it's just fungus. It's just it? a fungal infection. Do yeah. you think some of that's caused by the mare's tail being around, so the lack of air yeah, around it? Yeah, it's restricted the airflow and it's <clears> helped sort of And the weather... It. Is ideal for moulds, mildews, and rocks. Yeah. It's great. Hot, wet, hot, wet. Hot, <laughs> hot, wet, hot, wet, hot, wet. That is the problem. I'm, uh, not, I'm not so sure it would have been that that would have um, killed the plant. Um, do you think the plant's gone first? I think the plant has gone first. It's just decided to expire, and the moulds then sort of got carried away thereafter. Had it flowered, Peter? It was just starting to show the head. To shine. Yeah. yeah, it's usually later you get that, wouldn't you? Yeah. No, it's I, just a bit of I'd just definitely remove it and get it out of the way because you don't want I've that hanging. That. I've, 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 oh, it's I've, gone. The council took it away last week. <laughs> yeah, it's basically, there's not a lot you can do. I mean, moulds no. that attack the stems of plants will always do that off yeah. and on. Yeah. I'm not saying they'll affect everything, but they will do that, won't they? Yeah. There's Nothing you've ever seen it before. No, I think you'll probably find the mare's tail's created a sort of little microclimate there that it's it's managed to get away with. All right. Oh, no, thank you. Okay, thank you. and well done for getting it out. That's what I like to hear, because so many people leave things and don't get rid of them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You've done the very right thing. Okay? Right. Th- thank Bye. you very much for that, and sorry that it's it's really, it's just nature yeah. sorting itself out. Liz from South End. Hello, Liz. Hello. What we got? Right, I've, I've, I have bought and was given some um, roses, different sorts of shrubs, lilies and things, and I want to put them into pots. Mm-hmm. So I bought some um, rose and shrub um, compost and some topsoil, because I thought I need to put something with it. The topsoil is like powder. I expected to be more body in it. Should I be adding something else? I wouldn't use topsoil. I'd use John Innes, wouldn't you? Yes. I mean, you're, you're effectively by adding soil to the tree and shrub compost you're making a sort of john and in mix but the the tree and shrub alone should be fine for that or mix mix a third of the soil in at the most don't put any more in all right it's lovely thank you very much that's really it's it's the mix you've got to get the mix right for it to work and that's really important i think a third work then that way she's not wasting it is she or diluting Uh, the compost or diluting the compost (laughs) which you say barbara from hawkwell hello barbara Hello. Now, I'm 88, so I can't do a lot of gardening, but I do try. Yep. Um, but what's happened, I, really had to tr- uh, I, put, I put a tree in, yeah. a cedar tree, in about 85, mm-hmm. 1985. And we've had it chucked about a bit. Um, because it's grown too high. It was supposed to be a dwarf when we got it, but obviously wasn't. <laughs> um, yeah, you laugh at that. And um, But because we didn't have any rain, um, and also we had the uh, water pipes replaced in the, in, under the pavement in the front, um, and the tree died... At the top, just all brown, where it was, it's one of those that drapes and you've got lovely new growth, hangs like ribbons. Yeah. Um, and now, after all the rain we've had, it's all the, the brown stuff, all where it's all brown, it's quite a lot at the top, it's got new shoots coming. Now, should we leave that alone? 
yeah. And, yeah. and and trim back all the yeah. the, the brown stuff next year. Yeah. Well, you'll probably find it's cedar drop. Cedar produces brown at this time yeah, of year. Yeah, the cedar drops. will drop those themselves. It's only where you've had. Um, roots damaged and it's, it's had a bit of a shock and now I've had rain. It's most like it's a cedrus deodora. Yeah, if it's weeping. Sold as small ones and uh, they're not small <laughs> they're at not all. They're not small. So really, yeah, and if there is it brown, more brown by next, if that brown is still on there by next year, that would be the best time to take it out, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, but they'll probably In find the, the new growth comes through and it'll and shed it'll get the old needles. They are, Barbara, all salted for you. See, aren't we good here on BBC Essex? Well, sometimes anyway. <laughs> Let's talk to Jane in Brentwood. Hello, Jane. Hello, Ken. Um, I just got the tail end of your um, question on agapanthus. Um, similar to mine, a lady got loads of flowers. But mine, I've got two very big pots. Yep. Repotted them last year uh, because the flowers had got small and the pots were starting to crack. So yep. I thought, right, put them in all new stuff and the flowers will grow bigger, the flower stems. <laughs> Now, this year, each plant, each pot has way over 100 flower stems, but they're all smallish ones still. They were originally, the plant's probably about nine years old now, both yeah. of them. They were originally lovely big head blooms, but now, I mean, they look nice, but I'd rather they were big ones. <laughs> what, <coughs> what can I do with them? The only way that they were big, because there probably wasn't that many of them, so the only way you'll ever increase the size of them is to split them and put them thin them out. A bit, no, yeah. split them and split them and put them back into smaller pots. Yeah, so you've got less plant, less flowers. You'll have bigger flowers. Um, what, what about just taking sort of pruning out some of the stems as they come through? If you've got a hundred of them, then you could probably yes, afford you to that. lose a few, couldn't you? And oh, then, I um, think yeah. I'd rather <laughs> have fifty bigger yeah. ones but than a hundred. Ones. You'd probably need to do that as they're starting to emerge out the plant. Yeah. To give time for the others to gain the energy. Yeah. And then a good liquid feed, something like a tomato food, which will boost the actual flower. Yeah, I'd, I'd just give them tomato stuff. That's, That's right. That's no, you yeah. do right. Is that good enough? Yeah. yeah. So thinning out would work for you, Jane, but basically it's because the plant is so big and the flower... It's producing so many. It's producing so many, it's just they're going to they're gonna be a, a little smaller. I'll just go to some of the texts, and this is from John Baker. He says, I feed my runner beans, and if so, no, should I feed my runner beans? And if so, what with... I, I've heard. Do they need feeding once they're well, growing? I'm on this allotment, and there, there seems to be a, a, a conflict of opinion there. Some people are saying, "Oh, I never feed runner beans," and others say, um, feed, my "Well, old, I would." My old dad never fed them at all. <coughs> no, but I would. Cause you would. What would you give them? I'd just give them some poultry manure sort of early on, and then once the, the fruit's starting to look like it's set, the, veg, the beans are coming, then go on with a, a tomato feed. Oh, yeah. I'd probably just spray it over the leaves, skin rather than. As Liquid feed over the over the leaf. Yeah. Okay. Olive from Benfley would like to know how to prune a little a bottle brush bush. It's thirty years old and it's oh it's not small. Six <laughs> per six and drooping over completely. Um, you do it after flower basically, yes. don't you? Yeah. Prune, a lot of people don't prune the bottle brushes no. and then you end up with like no, most all those of horrible cones, seed bits on, seed the bits on there. So um, I would tidy it up now probably and if not leave it till spring they are that's got that one out the way uh, Tradescantia bought five years ago which has bloomed most beautiful pink flowers since but not this year there are loads of very healthy foliage but not the flower I'd again just switch to tomato food wouldn't yeah. you and yeah. sh hopefully you should be able to get it to do something Ollie Anders with Jane in Herringate isn't it Jane yes 
Ken, oh, yes, please, gentlemen. Um, I have a lovely oleander. It's in bloom at the moment, but all the leaves are turning yellow and dropping off. It does get fed quite regularly and watered. Um, am I doing something wrong? No. They're inclined to this time of year. Yeah, that's what they it's do. This, it's this evergreen thing, which evergreens yeah. will drop leaf because they don't yeah. in winter. They'll drop them now. Oh, I see. And quite often the plant puts so much energy into the flower that it, it reduces that by losing a few leaves. Oh, I see. And it, well, it, it's sort of... A, the, it's all the bottom ones that have yeah. dropped off. And I'm just getting sort of the top part that's green and the flower yes. and it's all sort of bare. They the do. Bottom, that's, that's quite okay. normal. They do get bare bottoms, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, Jay. Yes, thank you very much. Keep feeding it and looking after it. Plum trees with Terry and Basildon. What's up with you, Victoria? Terry? Um, well, I've, I've had it about eight years, I guess. Always had a good uh, fruit on it. Got a lot of fruit on it this year. Um, but we can see by the looks of them that they're not going to be good. They're going bad on the tree. They're very green and very small. The reason I'm querying this is because my partner's mum's garden has got the same... A variety of Victoria plum, and we've just had absolutely pounds and pounds of beautiful plums off of it already. So mm. I'm just wondering what's gone wrong with mine. We did put the special stuff around the bark, yeah. um, but still, it, it seems to have been infected in some way. I'm just wondering if you could advise what I can do. Do you use the plum moth traps? Sorry? Do you use the plum moth traps? You get the traps yeah. to a, You got them? Uh, it could yeah, just be yeah. it's a having a bad year. I mean, you could have them in next door neighbor, next door gardens, and you'll have one tree that have a real good I year don't think and another. I I wouldn't yeah. panic and I wouldn't worry, honestly, Terry. Okay, well if we it, do cut it back because I've only got a small garden. Well, now, every year we do cut it back a bit. Leave it this year. Don't prune it at all this year, and see how you get on. And Christine, very quickly, how can we help you with your lemon bush? Oh yes. Um, hello. It's about four foot high and bushy. But out of the main stem of the bush, I've got four uh, big branches, big spikes coming out on it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what these spikes are. They're very sharp. They are. about two inches, these yeah, spikes. Yeah, that's just lemon trees. They have spines. The new growth quite often has spines on them. So don't worry about that. Just nip the tips out of them just to stop them getting too vigorous. And they will yeah, then but... produce more fruit. Oh, but they're spikes. I oh, know. Yeah. They are. Oh. They All right. <laughs> All okay. right. Yeah. That's normal. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther. Thanks very much for listening to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. And if you missed any of the gardening advice, tips and events, you can download this programme and take it with you wherever you go. Just visit the BBC Essex website, bbc.co.uk slash BBC Essex. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour. Every Saturday from 11. BBC Essex.